Hey everyone, I'm Andrea Ferretti, and this is Yoga Land Rewind. After six years of producing episodes and more than 5 million downloads, I thought it would be a great time to revisit some of our old favorites. If you have not listened to the podcast for very long, these episodes will likely be new to you. And even if you are a longtime listener, I bet you will get something out of listening to an episode again, especially the episodes we're running this week. This week, we are running a three-part series about Patanjali. And this is part two. So if you haven't heard part one, go back and listen to part one, where Jason talks about Purusha and Prakriti. And in this episode, we focus on the Chittas, the Vrittis, and the Gunas. So these are foundational concepts in Patanjali's teaching. And Jason goes into a lot more depth, obviously, in his teacher trainings than he can in one podcast episode. So if you are interested in doing more training with Jason, go check out our website. There are several different offerings this year. There are two options of hybrid training with Jason, uh, both a 200-hour option where the in-person portion is at Tri-Yoga in London, and a 500-hour option where the in-person option is also at Tri-Yoga in London. And then there is a 500-hour online-only training, and he will be rolling out a 200-hour online-only training later this year. Hopefully, we are not confusing you too much. We just want to offer lots of options, and Jason is just so excited to be able to be back in person, even if just a little bit this year. He's excited to see all of you, and I am envious because I won't be able to see all of you unless I come this summer, which I may do. But I digress. Last thing, last thing. If you're not on our email list and you're interested in anything that we have to offer, it's the best way to stay in touch with us and be the first to know about the different programs and the different episodes that we have, as well as Jason's Yoga Land Teacher's Companion episodes on YouTube. So you can subscribe to our newsletter at jasonyoga.com slash newsletter. All right. Enjoy the interview with Jason. Okay. So then let's get started on today's topic. So yeah. should we start with chitta? We should start with chitta. Okay. Because chitta is discussed early in Patanjali. Patanjali is making a statement very early on. He's saying what yoga is. And he's saying it is the fluctuations of the movements of the mind. Mm -hmm. It's the fluctuations of our psyche and our soma. So chitta, chitta vritti narodaha, is a pretty important concept to break down. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really beautiful because chitta, we can first think about chitta as our psyche. So this is where Patanjali is describing psychology. Hmm. He's providing us with a formula for what the psyche contains and what affects the psyche. So when he's talking about chitta, he's talking about our mind state, also including our sensory state. So our mind slash sensory system is chitta. And then vritti is that which makes those things active, or it's the states in which we find those things. Mm -hmm. So it's really important to, to unpack chitta and vrittis in order to get a deeper insight into Patanjali. So Patanjali essentially cont contends that in the last episode, I talked about concentric rings, mm -hmm. okay? So in this episode, I'm going to do the same because this is really how Patanjali lays out 
chitta, is that we can think about it as concentric rings that form our psyche. So at the innermost core of self is Purusha. Encircling that, Prakriti. A form of Prakriti is Chitta. Hmm. So our mind state is a form of Prakriti. So there are three components, according to Patanjali, of Chitta. There's Buddhi, there's Ahamkara, and there's Manas. You can imagine that Patanjali is laying out this worldview where Purusha is the innermost core of self, but Chitta encircles it. Well, I have a graphic for this that we'll that we'll put up. And I won't I won't make the joke about I want ten cents for. for well, we never even put up that graphic, oh, so yeah. it'll be good. To, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, to do yeah, that yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> okay, it's because no one sent me their dime. <laughs> you remember when you has to, had to have um, change for the telephone? Yeah, of course I do. Of course you do. Okay. So remember when you used to go up to the payphone and check for change uh-huh. constantly? Yeah. Yes. This is before we're, you know, 10 years old. Not yes. Like, yeah. <laughs> this is not last week. <laughs> I mean, I've had some tough times paying the rent as a yoga teacher. You weren't but looking for dimes. No, no. You keep your dimes. Invest them. Venmo me. Okay. So Purusha, the centermost core of self. Chitta encircles. This, that central most core of self. Chitta is our psyche. There are three components of right. it. Okay. Buddhi is the component that is most refined. It's the part of our psyche that is most refined. And in those concentric rings, it's closest to our true self. So Buddhi is largely defined as the component of mind that's governed by discernment. So high-level knowledge, high-level discernment, a sense of right and wrong, right? A sense of deep knowledge. So buddhi is, we can think about it as the discriminating, discerning, deeply intellectual component of self, component of mind. Okay. Okay? So making sense so far? Yep. Okay. So encircling that, Another component of chitta, remember there's three components, is ahamkara, which literally translates to the eye maker, okay? So the ahamkara is is our sense of self. It's our sense of I amness. Hmm. It's our sense of I am sitting here. I am six feet tall. I have skinny calves and a space between my teeth. I am a good yoga teacher, blah, 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 blah. It's the sense of, I am feeling. It's all of that intellectual and visceral sense of self. And this, we want to understand, this is an integral component of yoga psychology. We are not trying to get rid of this. Okay. This is kind of like one of the most common misunderstandings. Okay. But we'll, we'll, if you want to return to that, we'll, we'll get yeah, to that. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we have the components of our psyche. So far we have the discerning sense of who of knowledge. Mm-hmm. We have the sense of self. And then the outermost layer, the part of our psyche that is most frequently in direct contact with the world outside of us, that is manas, which is roughly translated to mind. Mm-hmm. 
So Manas, you can think about it as the the sensory processing component of self. Hmm. It's the part of mind that is taking in information from the world around us and then and then forming thoughts from it, right? So when I am looking out our backyard, I am seeing that it's bright. There's flowers. I see a bee. There's sun. So manas is the part of the psyche that is literally just, it's, it's computational. Hmm. It's taking in the sensory. Processing. Yeah, it's taking in the, the, sense, the sensory world around us, and it is processing those senses into the sense of I amness, mm-hmm. and then ultimately into that higher sense of knowledge and discernment. Okay. Right? So that's chitta, right? That's chitta as well as we can think about it or describe it in short form. And chitta, we want to understand again, is our psyche, but it's also our soma. So it's our mind slash body. There isn't really a distinction in this world between mind body. It's mind body, mm-hmm. not mind and body. It's mind body. Mm-hmm. So psyche is chitta. It is comprised of those layers, right? Mm-hmm. And so Patanjali, we want to just take a, remem- a, a reminder and Patanjali wants those layers to cease, to stop moving, to stop fluctuating. The reason that he wants those things to stop fluctuating is because the activity of those things, he believes, obscures our ability to perceive the deepest core of self, Purusha. Got it. Yeah. So talk to me about how you're interpreting vritti. Vritti is not too difficult to interpret. You know, vritti is like, there There are certain things, and a lot of Patanjali is pretty opaque. And thank God, whatever your personal God is, whether you have one or don't one, have one, right? Thank God that there are so many commentators that precede us, mm-hmm. right? Vrittis are pretty straightforward. So- you can think about this. Any activity of mind whatsoever is a vritti. A vritti is a movement. It's a fluctuation. It's an electrical current. A vritti essentially means that chitta is engaged with something, that any of those layers of our psyche are active. If, if the mind is doing anything, if there's any pulse whatsoever up there, that is a vritti. Patanjali wants these vrittis to stop. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now we might ask ourselves how plausible this is, Mm -hmm. right? Patanjali is not asking us to do something simple. You know what I mean? Like he's not a weekender. Okay. Fair enough. We can take Patanjali as a contemporary householder without a doubt, but that wasn't the original context. Mm -hmm. It's unlikely that was the original. Uh, Let me put it that way. It's unlikely that was the original context given all of the kind of surrounding concepts that he's laid out. He says that there are five vrittis. So essentially he says your mind, your psyche, your chitta is going to be involved in five things at any given time. One of five things or multiples of five things. And the first thing that he says is right cognition, meaning one of the five things that your mind will be doing is understanding something correctly. Like 
whatever that is, right? Like understanding something correctly. The second mind state is misunderstanding something. So inaccurate cognition, Mm -hmm. right? And if we just kind of take a step back, our mind gets stuff wrong all the time, Mm -hmm. all the time. Sure. Like every single day, our mind is getting something wrong, Mm -hmm. right? What we thought we knew about ourselves, or how we thought someone like, oh, I was talking to someone and they were kind of short with me. I think they're upset with me because six months ago, I didn't respond to their text. They were just having a bad day, Mm -hmm. right? So these first two things that he's describing are essentially cognition. The mind is understanding something correctly or the mind is understanding something incorrectly. The next thing he lays out, which of course is a massive category, is imagination, right? Right. It's imagination. (laughs) That the mind is involved in some discursive, imaginative, make-believe, right? right? And and that's that's the majority of what the mind does is produce make-believe. Mm-hmm. And I think that sometimes that sounds dismissive because, look, I think the, the human mind is beautiful and amazing. I like the human mind a lot more than Patanjali seems to. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I really do. Like, yeah. I, I kind of like Prakriti and I like the activities of Chitta. Yeah. So I'm a pretty big component I think the human mind is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. But it's pretty clear that it spends a lot of time in imagination land. Yeah, definitely. Right? Mm-hmm. So whether it's daydreaming, whether it's yeah, like futurizing, planning, yeah. planning yeah. analysis, like all of these things, like, okay, when I get here, then I'm going to do that and I'm going to mm-hmm. feel this way and I'm going to have this food. I'm going to totally hydrate yeah. and then I'm going to relax. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and then what is most of that? Misapprehension. Almost all of our imaginations become inaccurate cognition, Yeah, right? Mm -hmm. But it doesn't matter. So then the fourth one that he brings up is sleep, right? Nidra. So nidra is considered an activity. It's a vritti, right? So it's a vritti. And that vritti is is activating chitta. So yoga nidra is awesome. Mm-hmm. It's a vritti. It is a vritti that is cl- is very sattvic. So we'll get to the gunas soon, right? And it is a very good tool that ultimately, from Patanjali's perspective, likely needs to be dispensed with, right? Because he doesn't favor a vritti. He wants vrittis to stop. Yeah, okay. Okay? Hmm. So... That said, he's presenting a pathway. So it's not like you can do everything at once, right? It's not like all of a sudden everything just suspends okay. itself. Okay. So let's just stay, let's just stay with this component first. Yep. Okay. okay. Let's just kind of stay with the because there's a lot of cross usage of language, right? Yoga language has been borrowed and repurposed and repackaged from time immemorial. This is not a particularly new phenomenon. So let's just think, let's just stay in the Vritti's category of, now we have four. Correct cognition, incorrect cognition, imagination, sleep, Mm -hmm. nidra. Fifth, memory, Mm, smriti. Of course. Right, right. memory. Mm -hmm. Like the mind is involved in a memory. Like those are the things that it does. Mm -hmm. 
That's pretty amazing, actually. Yeah. Right. It's it's a pretty it's a pretty amazing list, right? And again, we this is where we where I think we can appreciate Patanjali so much. Whether you completely buy into all of the inputs and the desired outcomes or not, we can appreciate it. Look, there's a lot of things in my life that I don't agree with or enjoy, but I appreciate. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Where I see like, oh my God, there's so much skill and depth in, in this kind of thing, but I'm just not into it. Right. Right. No, but to, to break it down that thoroughly, but in such a concise way is is definitely impressive because yeah that that does feel very all-encompassing and yet simple like yeah. easy to remember well and- it's, it's it's the hallmark of an actual patanjali is not the quote-unquote father of yoga he's not the founder of yoga he's thousands of years into like steps into a world that has had the concept of yoga for at least two plus thousand years mm-hmm. at he least. could be a she he could be have an observed. She could be have, have been observing the Brahmins, right? Mm, Maybe no. I mean, I think not. I think I think we're getting into a imagination. Okay. <laughs> Just as you were like saying, he he. Just but maybe there's, realize, there's a like, novel in there. Yeah, exactly. There's a novel in there. Yeah. yeah. I want to uh, just say one more thing, which is that it, it's all. I think one of the other things that stands out to me that is just so impressive is thinking about Nidra as a Ritti, because it totally makes sense. And now we all we all live in this time when we measure brain waves during sleep, and we know about all these this yep. activity during sleep. It's quite and, active, right? Exactly, and of course, like Patanjali had the experience of sleep, right? right. So he knew that there were this was happening. But it's still pretty impressive to think like that they didn't necessarily have the same tools to measure what was happening, and yet they knew it was happening big time. Yeah, I, I think. Just as a point of personal reflection, too, Patanjali is asking us to stop these things. But in, in a modern setting, I think we love to ruminate on things and just like get to know ourselves through different models, right? Mm-hmm. So, taking a moment to do that, if I consider the Vrittis and I consider where I spend most of my time, I can tell you where I do not spend much time is memory. I know you're good about that. Well, good about that or not good about that. Like I am almost never concerned with what happened a second ago. Yeah. It's just, it's it's over. Mm-hmm. I mean, then maybe it, no, it's not over because karma exists and things, you know, there's causal well, you just relationships. Don't hold on to things. I don't. And part of it is like, I don't have a good memory. I know you don't. So, well, you right, don't have a good working memory. Well, fair you don't enough. You have a good long-term memory. But I just, so I don't spend much time in the past. Some people do, you know? And then for me, I feel like I spend a lot of time in in imagination, but in the planning, futurizing, mentally organizing phase of imagination. Mm -hmm. Like that's where I spend a lot of my time. Mm -hmm. And I spend a lot of time getting things right and a lot of time getting things wrong. Mm You know what I mean? Like th- those feel to me like those are. I don't feel. I don't spend like a particular amount of time in dream state. I don't spend a lot of time in memory. I spend the majority of my time in getting things right, getting things wrong, and the planning side of imagination. Of imagination, me too. Yeah, yeah. It's really. I think it's really, really common. And my guess is that this is a very contemporary brain state because of the kind of variables 
that as a human, we have to work with. We have Mm -hmm. to work with a lot of complexity and a lot of planning and a lot of futurizing. And planning and futurizing is pretty closely uh, aligned with anxiety. And we are kind of an anxiety-driven, stress-driven culture. Don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) So Patanjali is also ultimately asking that those... Vrittis, those fluctuations, those any mind state whatsoever is a vritti. Any mind state whatsoever is a vritti. And he's asking for those to be restrained. Right. Or to be dampened or to be flatlined or to be muted. Or so those activities are producing. So those vrittis are what chitta tends to do. Right. So the psyche tends to do those things, right? So by not doing those things, chitta, our psyche, is still, right? It's like a, it's like a body of water that's completely still. Mm-hmm. And when you have a body of water that's completely still, now you can see through it. But if there's activity, you can't see through it. When that body of water is completely still, you can see through it to what Patanjali perceives as the deepest core of self, Purusha. Mm -hmm. So we have no interest in the waves. There's no interest in the ocean. There's no interest in in all of that surface-level Prakriti activity. It's all the same. One way or another, it's all the same, which is obscuring to the perception of our deepest core. And that's why it's a problem. That's why it needs to be stopped. Right. And that's why Patanjali is not asking us like the tantrikas do to like, you know, dance in the fields and celebrate this body of life. Right. That is so not what Patanjali is asking dance us. Dance in the fields. Uh-huh. Well, and well, that was the left-hand school. Anyway. I know. So, okay. So how do we, how do we connect the gunas to Chitta and Vritti? I kind of think about this, and this is a place where I am making a connection that I've not heard or seen in academic literature. So this is completely interpretive to me. When I think about the vrittis or those mind states, Patanjali doesn't seem to to ascribe emotional or sensory qualities to them. It just kind of refers to them as mind states. Mm -hmm. Like they're activities of mind. They're things that mind does. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But it almost sounds like the mind does those things in a robotic, non-feeling way. Like like he just doesn't ascribe a sense tone to them. Mm -hmm. Where he talks about sense tone is really the gunas. Mm -hmm. That's where he's talking. That's where he's talking about the sensory energetic, emotional components, right? So when he's talking about gunas, he talks about three gunas, sattva, rajas, and tamas. The gunas are the constituents of nature, right? They're the components of nature. They're the three strands of the rope. Like think about, uh, this is a way that it's often described, right? Think about a rope and think about a rope being comprised of three strands that are woven together. Mm -hmm. So that rope is existence and the strands that are woven together to produce that existence 
are tamas, rajas, and sattva. Mm -hmm. They are the elements that everything is comprised of, that all prakriti is comprised of. So everything within and everything without, except that divine core, that okay. purusha, that soulful <laughs> component. Tamas is described as heavy lethargic. I mean, there's just like there's just like so there's books, there's like books and books and books and books. Okay, about so this. Let's just like get to the heart of it, which is Tamas is kind of a lower, heavier, more inert mm -hmm. tone. Mental, emotional, physical. It's a tone. Rajas is a higher frequency, greater stimulation, kind of more buzzy, more elevated tone, mm -hmm. right? So emotional states according to that, sensory states according to that, mental states according to that. And then sattva is the middle. Right. Sattva is steady. Sattva is closest to buddhi, it's closest to purusha. So Patanjali favors sattva. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of ways, the eight limbs that he brings out, the eight limbs that he establishes, and a lot of the purpose of the preparatory phases and the, the early phase of meditation, dharana, is to just give us a more sattvic experience of prakriti, a more balanced, more regulated, more calm sense of self. I understand that at this time, this was not a householder's text. But I do wonder if there was any part of it that was like, we know not all of you are going to reach samadhi. You're not all as awesome. <laughs> right? But we can at least shoot for being more sattvic. I think what we can do is, obviously, there are different texts, but we can refer, refer to some of the poignant moments. There's a lot of them in the Bhagavad Gita. And when Krishna is talking to Arjuna, he says, any step on this path is worth it. Mm -hmm. Any step on the path of your dharma is worth it even if you don't make it very far. Hmm. So the in the Bhagavad Gita, part of the I think the brilliance of the Bhagavad Gita that gets overlooked is the the way in which Krishna pr provides a, various hierarchies of value. And essentially says like here's top level value, you live in accordance with dharma no matter what. You don't want to kill your cousins. Bummer. No one wants to kill their cousins. It's kind of your job. Yeah. Time to do it. Do it. But then he layers in very several different things along the way, essentially saying like, hey, even if you don't get to the pinnacle of the mountain, take a step. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's a reasonable way to interface with Patanjali. Mm -hmm. And I think, to be honest, it's the useful way to interface with Patanjali. I think it's the modern way to interface with Patanjali. I think... I've never met anyone in my entire life that actually completely wants what Patanjali sets out for. Hmm. Because to have what Patanjali sets out for, it's a full negation of all property. Right. I don't think that people want to sign up for that. 
Yeah. And I think if they do, I don't know who they are. Right. Exactly. You know what we I mean? We don't know them. We don't yeah. know them, they right? Might, yeah, I they think might exist, but we because don't Because I think them. you would I think you would have to be pretty much in a purely monastic setting. That's what I think too. You know? Yeah. So I, I think you would be you would be a monk and the world would not like you wouldn't be posting on Instagram. Right. right you know right. what I mean? Yeah. It just it just wouldn't happen because Patanjali is is there is no if, ands, or buts. Chitta vritti naroda. Yoga is the cessation of the fluctuations of consciousness. He's saying yoga is a state in which you have no activity, what so bleeping ever, of anything that is prakritic. What is prakritic? You have no sense of body. You have no sense of self. You have no sense of mind. You have no sense of mind state. And then when you look at samadhi and all the different levels of samadhi, He's clearly further reinforcing these variables. So this is why, you know, when Richard Rosen, not to misquote him, but when Richard was on your podcast years ago about Patanjali, said something along the lines of, Patanjali is not particularly affirming towards life and the human condition. Mm -hmm. It's not. Yeah. It's where Georg Feuerstein writes, what Patanjali is presenting us is a negation of every single thing that we know that we perceive that makes us human, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, right? Yeah. So I'm not saying that this means in any way, like, okay, we'll throw, throw Patanjali out. But I think that you're bringing up the key thing, which is like, well, can we take a little bit of it? Yeah. Can I have like Patanjali light? <laughs> and that's where ultimately I think we're going to get to, mm -hmm. right? And, and that's where like, for those of us that are listening to a podcast, not sitting in a monastic order, mm -hmm. there's so much to take from this. But I think- right. I also think- it can still be sincere. Like I'm, yeah. 100%. It, it can still be sincere and that you're, but you are going as far as you can go. And your, and like, according to you, like you said, according to your dharma and your karma and like who you are in the world. I, I just want to interject one quick thing, which is, have you heard Gary Kraftsell tell, tell the little anecdote of yogi, rogi, bogey? He, he is it, sorry, I left. Is that a real? Yeah. Okay, sorry. I shouldn't laugh. I will look it up. No, it's funny. I'll look it up okay. because I'm not going to tell it exactly right. But he, there's some anecdote where okay. someone is asked, you know, are you a yogi, a, a rogi, or a bogey? Meaning, like, are you a true yogi? Okay, yeah. Are yeah. you a rogue? Or are you just bogus? Got it. Got and it. the answer is always bogey, mm. right? And And it's like... Not that you are insincere or that you are trying to put something on, but that you know you are not a pure yogi. Like, yeah. you know that that's not really attainable for you. And there is a reference to where he says that, so I'll try to find it. But I, I was listening to a podcast recently, and the guest just said, you know, every day I just try to be less wrong. Like, that's my goal. I just try to be less wrong. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I and I really it's a good parenting goal. Too. Yeah, I I really respected that, right? And what we're doing by having these conversations, I think, also is helping to honor some of the traditions of the yoga practice because I don't know why, I literally don't know why, but I just feel like it's important to know that. I am borrowing from Patanjali and I don't know that I completely want 
the world that Patanjali is presenting. I don't know that I'm signing up for that. I really mm-hmm. don't. But I still really intellectually enjoy it. I find it endlessly fascinating. I find it endlessly helpful. But it's almost like this recipe book where I don't know that I'm cooking with all the exact same ingredients, but I still think it's really worth it. You're not following the full French technique. I'm not following the full French technique, but I feel like it is my duty to understand that French technique. Mm -hmm. And it's my duty to understand the environment and the context and the historical, the outlay that Patanjali presents us in the most deep and refined way and then choose to take it at its will or to take a slightly different interpretation of it. To me, knowing that that the way that I am living it is interpretive and a little bit different, to me, it's still for me, I don't know why, but better than doing that without knowing that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yes. I- so, so that's where, like, to me, that's to me too, where I think it's such an important, so important to be a student of this work is to kind of then know a little bit more about, oh, well, I really am just a modern person that was born in 1974 and not in 200 BCE or CE, you know? Yeah. Anyways. Uh, yes. We're, yeah. we're, we're in agreement on that. Let me make this really quick connection again. Okay. okay. So if you have questions, we can go from there, but maybe this is just a sum up. Okay. So chitta. Chitta is our psyche. Our psyche is not just in our head. It's also our body. So chitta is psychosoma. Buddhi, our greatest, our sense of intellectual discernment. Ahamkara, our sense of self. Manas, the mind taking in information from the world around us and processing it, making a story. Vrittis. Vrittis are the activities of chitta, right? Vrittis, five components. Our mind is either in a process of like, Understanding something correctly, understanding something incorrectly, in some state of imagination, in some state of sleep, or in some state of memory. Those vrittis in Patanjali's world don't seem to be given emotionality. They don't seem to be given tone. They don't seem to have like feeling states associated with them. Where we seem to get the feeling tone is in the way gunas are described. And those gunas, three of them, the three elements that underscore all prakriti, all everything except for purusha. Tamas, a little bit heavier tone. Rajas, a little bit more high vibratory tone. And then sattva, centered. Mm -hmm. Centered. And so Patanjali is trying to help us do things that access a sattvic state because that sattvic state is considered to be closest to our inner core of self. Mm -hmm. You can't access, I'm not saying this, in Patanjali's orchestration, you can't access the deepest core of yourself 
with a heavy, dense, lethargic tone. You can't access your deepest self with an overly high vibratory tone. Mm. You can only access that pure, undifferentiated component of self by being in the most grounded and equalized state, which is why Patanjali is asking us the whole time to, through our practices, create a state of equilibrium Mm -hmm. because that's sattvic. Can I tell you a funny story? Yes. When I was in my 200-hour training, Georg Furstein did our philosophy section. And when we got to the gunas, he described them. And then, and I completely in that, at that, just at that point in my life, related to the tamasic state. I just felt like I was just a big, (laughs) depressed, like ball of inertia. And then he said, he like, he described all three. And then he said, what kind of student would you you prefer? You, would you prefer, obviously you prefer a sattvic student, but you have, if you have Rajasic student, Tamasic student. Which which student do you prefer? Always the Rajasic student. Of At course. least they have energy. I was like so ashamed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I was also laughing to myself, like, man, all my teachers must have hated me my whole yeah. life because it was so hard to get me going. But so I want to say this. I think this is such a an important point. And then uh, maybe we'll we'll wrap this okay. up because I think this is about as much as we could take in any one yes. setting. Mm-hmm. Patanjali is an interventionist. Mm-hmm. Patanjali is a regulator. Patanjali doesn't stop at observation. Not at all. Patanjali is profoundly goal-oriented. Patanjali is not trying to just get you to know you as you currently are and like bask in that state. That might be a reasonable thing that someone chooses to do, but that is not Patanjali. That is antithetical to Patanjali from every interpretation. So Patanjali prefers a sattvic state. So we can do things where we're like, oh, you know, I'm just a little bit more tamasic of a person, or I'm just a little bit more rajasic of a person. That's fine. Right. But the intention of Patanjali's work is not now to stop there. It's like, and so what? Right. What are you going to do? So now what are you Mm -hmm. going to do? Now here are the various methods to get you from a more tamasic state to a more sattvic state or from a more rajasic state to a more sattvic state. And sometimes people are going to hear that and say, well, that sounds judgmental. And it's kind of like, well, he's trying to, he's trying to get you to, to, not if you're, I mean, I think you have to realize it's you're you're talking about constitution. You're not talking about personality. Yeah. Right. I think when people take things personally, it's like, but that's just my personality. It's like, no, we're talking about like your energetic constitution. Right. And that's too much sense of ahamkara, right? So, so if it's like, well, that's just who I am. Well, that's all. That's the ahamkara. Right. Coming to the fore. Digging its heels in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. So ego. Or the ahamkara is raw, man. It doesn't take much. It takes almost nothing in me for that component to just burst to the surface. (laughs) You know, that component of me for me is easily triggered, Mm -hmm. you know? And so it's it's, it's a component of me to always watch. Like, I have to always remember that when... When I am internally defending my state of being... Mm -hmm. It's not that that's always a wrong thing to do, but in Patanjali's landscape, that's like, oh, that is a component of my chitta that is raging. Yeah, it's not a wrong thing to do, but it is a thing to be have the ability to observe yes. rather than react to. And that will take us into next week's episode. 
All right. I like it. Because next week, let's just, we'll just get into different models, different ways in which we can look at the eight limbs. Great. And I have three different models. We'll see how long it takes, but I have three different models of using the eight limbs method going from what I think is most historic and traditional to what is most actionable in a modern setting. Okay, great. All right. Well, so Jason's going, we're going to put that handout on the website, right? So you can go find that at yogalandpodcast.com slash episode 230. And let us know how you are enjoying these episodes or not. Um, No, don't let us know if you're not. (laughs) Definitely let us know if you are enjoying them. But if you're not, just don't. Share them and and, and tell friends about them. And uh, you can always leave a rating or review on iTunes. That's helpful as well. If it's a five. And yeah, exactly. If it's anything other than a five, start your own podcast. Do better. (laughs) Seriously. Do do better. Okay. Be like, oh, they can't. All do right. It. Um, All right. Well, you then you do it. All right, Ahamkara. Um, Let's step back for a moment. That's my middle name. <laughs> Jason Aram. Um, that's your wrestling name. I think it should be your wrestling name. And with that, we shall bid you adieu. Until next week, enjoy your practice. <laughs>